The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You have been warned. The award-winning podcast that's never won an award. Downloaded and listened to around the world. Join the conversation on our social media. An educational experience that'll make you laugh. You're listening to Just Some Podcast. And here's your hosts, Ben and Tom. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another fun-filled and exciting episode of Just Some Podcast. This is Tom. Hey, this is Ben. Tom, how's your week? Uh, pretty good. I uh, I don't know. It's been a good week. I don't really don't have my usual bitch-filled rant to go off on. Uh, weather's <laughs> turning nice. Get ready for Game of Thrones. Like, there's that. I know I watch Game of Thrones, so I'm excited about that. But yeah, other than that, it's been a, it's been a pleasant week. Ben, how's your week been? Oh, not too bad. Like you said, it's weather's much nicer, so we're seeing less respiratory crap, and I think people are getting outside, and you know, we're seeing. I'm starting to see more poison ivy and stuff like that. And then I worked ER this weekend and had some some interesting cases over there as well. So, all in all, not too bad of a week. Well, I can't say enough about how awesome the weather has been got the cars out but driving with the windows down like i said it's it's been fantastic so i think that has helped up maybe being trapped inside the little box every time you transport yourself to work and you just know a walking horde is going to be coming in maybe that's part of why i was frustrated now i got some fresh fresh o2 i'm not breathing all the dumb mad air and the dumb mad air yeah that's that's a, that's one of those expressions like when the teacher caught you doing something in class and they're like why are you doing that I'm like oh, i'm sorry i'm breathing dumb air I wasn't sure what else to say, so uh, maybe we're just not doing that anymore. I like that Tomism, Morgan. We got <laughs> the dumb air. I, I, I'm sorry, I got dumb air around me. So, <laughs> but no, it's been pretty good. So, considering what this week's episode is, I don't know. I mean, maybe the fresh air has helped you a little bit. You know, you you seem a little chippier, chippier, a little happier. You got a little smile today. It's <laughs> it's. It's a good look for you, Tom. Maybe you should try that more often. Yeah. Every time I try and be happy, trust me, life will remind me why I'm miserable. So I, I don't want to get too happy because I'm sure something bad will happen to me for every amount of good, 10 times the bad will happen. So I just try and keep that little that little equation in my mind whenever I get too happy. But I think it was interesting being cognizant of what was going on around me this week uh, when we decide to do this episode and normally we wait a little while longer, but I think we can talk about what the episode is going to be and then we can do our regular intro stuff. But this week we decided to do uh, moral injury and burnout in healthcare workers. And I think I just was trying to be more aware of what was going on around me. I'm trying to be happy. Trust me. It's not going to last long, but it's happening. So 
I completely understand. And when we started kind of researching that, I think cognizance is a good, a good word for it. It's like you're trying to, you know, because... Words are hard. Uh, well, I was thinking what I wanted to say, and I couldn't think of what I wanted to say. You have the ability to impact other people and how their day goes. I trained with a PA this weekend, or actually helped train him in the ER this weekend on the charting system, not on his clinical aspects. But that's kind of what he said. He's like, you know, if you treat people like shit, they're going to have a bad day. If you treat people that you work with a little bit nicer, you may help them have a good day. And so it's like, you know, that's that's a good point. Like, I need to not, I get a little grumpy sometimes, and I know you do as well, Tom. I think it's what I'm known for, grumpy. So trying to be more cognizant of the fact that I need to try to be a little happier, and it's not everybody else's fault that, the front desk double booked me without me realizing it or put the wrong appointment type in or forgot to check the patient in or, you know, whatever the case may be, it's not everybody else's fault. Correct. And honestly, I, I had a situation where the front desk girls were just as much a victim of a patient coming for something inappropriate and we got it straightened out. And I'm glad I didn't tear anyone's head off because my first inclination was, well, someone's going to pay the piper for this <laughs> and then i just took a deep breath and i said okay let's figure out what's happening and everybody left happy but it still could have turned out much much worse if i hadn't just took a breath so i'm glad i tried to pay some more attention so since we didn't mention social media till just now ben i know it's your favorite part of the show you know it is and that's because i like doing this every time <laughs> I think there are probably people out there who think that this is just like a canned recording, like we just push play here and we just, but no, it is me every single time. It is. It would actually be a lot easier now that you just said that. Maybe we. (laughs) Yeah, but then it would lose the magic. You know, that's like seeing who's behind the Mickey head at, at Disney World. You don't want to see that. Yeah. Jeff with his three teeth. Not. Yeah, exactly. All right. So on that note, <laughs> you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all at Just Some Podcast. You can find us on the web, www.justsomepodcast.com. You can email us if you're burnt out, if you have compassion fatigue, if you have moral injury. And you'll know by the end of this episode. Admin at justsomepodcast.com. Tom, what else can they do? First of all, they can give us some ratings and reviews on all those social media sites you just listed. Also, they can go to our webpage. At the bottom of the webpage, there is an Amazon affiliate link. And while they're buying some of their exciting items that I think Ben might reveal here in a little while, they can go ahead and click on that. It's free to them, and it helps no. out the show. No? Well, let's just put it this way. Some of you guys have been having a lot of fun, and we know about it, and we salute you and completely support your life decisions. So just take that for how you want, people. Again, we cannot see who purchases items. We just get a running list of items that were purchased, the purchase price, and then basically what our kickback is off of that. So I will say though, if you if you want to send us an email to tell us who it is, that's fine. Like I bet you it's one of those new listeners in Scotland. Is it one of them? <laughs> Can we tell that? Can we tell where it was bought? Nope. Oh. Well have nothing other than the item, the purchase price, and then what the uh what the amount that Amazon paid us for them using our link. Oh, but as Tom said, we salute you. <laughs> yes. So someone had a lot of fun <laughs> the past couple of weeks. I'm just saying. 
So, oh goodness. So, do we have any? I don't think we have any specific shout outs. Correct. No, I don't think so. Nobody, nobody loved us this week. It's okay though. Well, I think plenty. I, I mean, I got feedback. I just didn't get anything that was new. That was like, oh, we need to make sure we mention this. Lots of people wrote in. I, I know some people really like the Matt and Kendra shout outs. So love them. But realistically, here's the deal, people, is we love all of you. You're like all of our children. We love all of you equally. Every single one of them. Except for the redheads. Not sure about you guys, but everybody else, you guys are good to go. Okay? So just let you know, please let us know how we're doing. You're always free to uh, give us some criticisms or what we're doing well. We like to know both, so we can add that to the show. And then we'll try and do our best to make every episode better. So... I think next, and we do have oh, Sam in the booth again uh, this week, because you know he's actually trying to be his producer self now. But I think he's graduated from producer college, as <laughs> Tom mentioned. <laughs> producer college. So we're randomly getting messages from Sam throughout the show, and uh, yes, Sam, we even love the Minister of Education. Or this, I thought we hadn't changed his name to the Education Czar, but it's okay. Well, either way, let's face the facts. He's in Mississippi. I doubt he could read the word czar, let alone operate a phone and listen to this podcast. So uh, it's more like education minister slash czar is like an honorary at this point. Like he's not going to do anything about this. So and I don't normally do these stories we missed. So is it is it time? Like, is it? It is time, okay, and as you have told me before, regale me with your good stories, sir. <laughs> I will definitely try and uh, help you out here. So this is actually a really, really interesting article I found, and I think it's a novel idea I've never even thought of before. So uh, this comes from England. Wait, wait, what? wait, wait, wait. wait. What? You've never thought of that about this before. Now, I, you, I do have the advanced knowledge that you sent me this story beforehand. Why? No, I'm talking about before would... I read this article. I never thought about know, this idea. Why would you? And the people who don't know what the story is yet, but I mean, like, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, doesn't jive to me. But go ahead. What do you mean it doesn't go jive? Ahead. There's no jive. Okay, the only <laughs> jive here is you, fool. So, oh, see what I just did there? Little little airplane action. Okay. Yeah, yeah I know where you're going. Oh, Jesus uh, Christ Almighty. Okay, so a revolutionary 60 minute therapy for high blood pressure could allow patients to throw away their tablets for good, Ben. Do you know? Well, what? you know, you know, I, I'm going to ask you like you don't well, know, but we all know that, you know. So here's what they're doing. They are using sound waves to blast specific parts of the kidney and therefore they are reducing blood pressure. Yeah. Tell me more. Oh, Tom. I'm trying to. It could slash the risk of heart attacks and strokes. Two of Britain's biggest killers, where this is where the study is being conducted at. So far, 60% of the volunteers have been able to completely get off of blood pressure medication. It does say that they're more were able to reduce their blood pressure medication, but it doesn't give a specific number. And I will point out, I read through this article multiple times. I could not find what part of the kidney. Like, it doesn't say, like, the renal tubules or anything like that. Or it just says. Uh, just randomly blasting the kidney with some sense. Yes. And as Sam pointed out earlier in pre-production, uh, the human body doesn't normally react very well to hollow organs being blasted with sound waves. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's plenty of medics in the military that will tell you that's a no-go. But in <laughs> this time, uh, in this time, I don't think that's the right word. In this yeah, um, you know, instance, sure. In this instance, though, it, it's producing something something good. So, let's see here. Oh, uh, maybe they should try to blast it with like "Stairway to Heaven" and see what it does. Whoa, 
Well, <laughs> wait a second. I mean, it's England, so maybe some like Rolling Stones, uh, Beatles. Now, what Beatles song is going to have enough baseline? But you hit somebody with uh, like "Beast of Burden," the Rolling Stones. Yeah. They're you know, or uh, maybe some uh, "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go," George Michael and Wham. That oh, well, there you go. That would wake your kidneys oh. up, and then you would not have blood pressure problems oh, anymore. It's going to wake up your kidneys, and then what you do is you hit it with some careless whisper and put it right back to bed. And then, that, my friend, you've gone full circle. You have the perfect uh, kidney. You waked it up this is why you don't it do went go-go. Do what? So this is why you don't do the stories. Oh. <laughs> well, you, it, it also reminds me, remember the one time I tried to do the social media? Yes, I do remember that. Yeah, that was a clusterfuck. Yeah, like, so, uh, <laughs> um, uh, follow us somewhere. Yeah. Oh, uh, I know we have an email somewhere. Yeah. So that's pretty much how it went. But that's why I don't do the stories. But I thought it was a really good story. So, no, it does sound interesting, and I'd like to I look forward to seeing some future studies on that. And I think that would be great if we could cure or potentially cure some blood pressure yeah. issues. And and like I said, as we talked about the last show. I have blood pressure issues. Sometimes it's even worse whenever I'm ranting, but you know, it's okay. <laughs> I figure it was like worse when I start or like when Sam forgets what the show's about in pre-production, then your then your blood pressure. Oh, that too. Well, I'm just saying is that even if we can reduce the amount of medication that we're using, this has some really good applications. So I hope that our brothers and sisters across the pond continue the good work and that we were able to start doing this procedure. Who knows? Maybe in the next hundred years it'll be cheap enough that we can actually use it for most of our patients instead of like the three guys on the lakers that happen to have you know high blood pressure so all right that would be like coach yeah exactly like the one guy you know he's got a kidney issue and then the coach and then like the general manager that's about it so ben uh yeah all right time to buckle down (laughs) sam so sam's gonna just start yelling at his patient's kidneys with hypertensive I want video of that because that's going to be pretty damn amazing. <laughs> well, it might actually help with the workplace stress and tonight's topic. So, I mean, oh, nice segue. <laughs> nice segue. Didn't even mean to do that. I will also point out that I, for some reason, my uh, messages weren't scrolling down and I was still on the messages from earlier. So, when you started talking about that, I was like, what messages? <laughs> I had to start like messing around on the computer. So, anyways. Let's get let's get to this. So tonight's episode is on moral injury, or as some people call it, burnout in healthcare professionals. Which you know, we kind of alluded to it earlier in the show, and I even sent you a text message this, this afternoon while I was researching this. You know, this is really alarming. Like you don't think about it, and I think one of the things that I'd seen during my research, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Sorry. Yeah. Particularly, like with if, if a nurse commits suicide. They, this particular article that I read says, well, you know, no one thinks it's a problem if it's just one nurse at one hospital. But the problem is, it's not just one nurse at one hospital. It may just be for that local hospital, but that's one nurse at that hospital and one nurse at that hospital. And then it's across the nation, one nurse, one nurse, one nurse, or one healthcare provider. And so it really just adds up. And so I just sit there and like, that is just, I mean, like, like I told you, it's just alarming to me. It is. And I think there's an undercurrent for us in healthcare where we know it's there. Maybe we don't talk about it. Maybe we don't acknowledge it, but I think in some way, all of us at some point have known that I know since I have started as a nurse, 
when you know you have downtime and you're speaking to physicians. I know I have asked almost every physician, if you had to do it all over again, would you? And I will tell you a minimum, like I didn't write down the statistics, but I will say a solid 75% of them said, absolutely not. I would never do this again. 75% of the people I talked to easily said, no way, no way, no how would I ever go through this again? Um, a few did say yes, clearly, because it's not 100%. And a few did say, I think... <laughs> I think I would do something else in healthcare, like be a PA, be an NP, uh, be a CRNA, you know, something like that. But I will say that's that 25%. 75% were like, no, I absolutely want nothing to do with this anymore. But we're so far in, like it's uh, it's like a trapped feeling. And now they're stuck. The issue with that is the 25% saying, oh, well, I would probably I'd do something different. I'd be a PA, I'd be a nurse practitioner, CRNA, whatever. The problem is they're looking at it from their worldview, and clearly this is not a problem that's just affecting physicians. I mean, it's across the spectrum. So even you know saying, oh, I'd be a CRNA or I'd be a nurse practitioner, you may still be experiencing those exact same feelings. No, they, they absolutely may. But I, I think what I'm getting at, though, is that even before we even had a podcast, I was asking people these questions. Right. And... It alarmed me. I remember working in ICU and talking to this brand new doctor. As a matter of fact, I think he was just a year one resident. And I was like, hey, how do you like it? Or, you know, what's going on? Would you do this? And he's like, no way. And he hasn't even finished. He hasn't even finished. And he already was like, man, I already regret life decision. So so it, it is a major issue. So let's I think it's important, you know, here at the beginning, let's let's lay out some terms because there was an awesome video by Z Dog, and uh, we can't, you know, for copyright purposes, like play anything or or do anything. But we could certainly reference. Not a team this time because I didn't ask. I'm sure if I had had a, had a chance to ask, I'm sure he would have let us. But yeah, yeah, and and maybe we could still ask and then just include a link on this to the show notes, maybe, and yeah. and do that. But he makes a very good point of trying to say that it's not burnout that it's moral injury. So I kind of looked into it and I was like, cause he references that term several times. The people that kind of coined that were some people that were dealing with veterans. And realistically it comes down to PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder, which is referencing the feelings or mental state associated with being the victim or witnessing or being part of a traumatic event versus moral injury. And this is where it comes in for healthcare workers, I think, is where we know something is wrong and we are participating in it anyways. And what I mean by that is we're not doing something irreprehensible, like we're we're not murdering anybody. We're we hope not. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're well, we're certainly not doing it on purpose. I think Some for me, do. Those stories before, but yeah, yes, yeah. So you know what I mean. The vast, you know, the ninety nine point nine 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 percent of us. I th I think what it is is for me when I try to think about it, it was like charting. We do so much charting that is beyond ridiculous, and I can't spend more time with my patient because for every minute I'm going to spend with my patient, I'm going to spend five minutes on my chart, right, and. People think, oh, it's not that big a deal, but it is that big a deal. If it's five, 10 minutes a chart and then you go down 
18 charts, all of a sudden the stress of everything you're about to do. And we know we shouldn't have to do all that. Or I think we talked about this earlier. Like if I know a patient needs an MRI, but I know that we're not going to get authorization for it. So we do a X-ray first. Right. Every We're actively participating in that and we know it's wrong, but we don't have a choice. You know how many times I have told patients, hey, I know we need to get an MRI of your knee, but I have to order an x-ray first because insurance won't pay for it otherwise. You're right. I mean, you're absolutely, absolutely right that we do participate in that without, I mean, sometimes with active knowledge, but sometimes it's just, and it sounds bad, (laughs) but, you know, you say, well, it's just part of the game. And that's truly what it is. It's part of the game with insurance companies to get them to pay for shit. Well, no, I, I think that's right. And I think ultimately we still want to do what's best for our patients. Right. So if what I have to do is make you get a knee x-ray first before I can get the MRI, then that's what I'm going to do. But ultimately I know what's best for you and I'm not allowed to do it. And I think that's the moral injury or, Hey, this patient thinks that they get to treat me like crap and I am willingly sitting here and taking verbal abuse so that our press gaining scores go up. Like, I think to me, to me, that's the personal biggest one is knowing that the patient is wrong, that they are demanding an antibiotic for something that's clearly viral. And I'm sitting here thinking about maybe I should just give it to them so that they'll stop yelling at me and I won't get a ding on Prescani. Now, let me preface this. And I know I am very fortunate where I work. I have great staff. I have a great manager. I have a great medical director. Nobody has ever, ever put any sort of pressure on me. So I don't want anybody to think that I've been called on the carpet or anything like that. I think it's more of a systemic healthcare wide. We all know preach it that numbers are running this this machine and that we have to be our own little cog to get the machine to turn and i think to me that's that's what i'm talking about is no one has ever yelled at me but i know at the end of the day that i'm replaceable to the health system as a whole maybe my individual manager likes me but if the ceo of the corporation said uh, he's gone <laughs> then you're gone next week doing your job yeah i'm a splatter on a windshield nobody's gonna stop and i and i know that so i think that's why it morally hurts me to think that wow these patients don't know and i don't mean that we shouldn't listen to patients about themselves or their own body i'm saying ultimately i'm having to make the decision on the care and i am actively trying to decide what is best that will make them happy and me happy sometimes and that well, without a better term, hurts my soul to think that that's what I'm doing. And Tom and I had talked before this episode. This is probably going to be a little bit of a different episode, which you're probably already picking up on some of that. Generally, we have a topic. We have a set kind of outline of what we're going to talk about. And for kidney stones, we talked about you know treatment options, and we talked about the pathophysiology and diagnostics. Or even with billing, we went through certain things. With this, it's just, we don't know where this conversation is going to go. We're going to talk about burnout or moral injury that we've experienced, that our producer has experienced. So, I mean, I think some of that is just, if you're out there and you're listening and you're like, am I I the only one feeling this way? We can assure you that you're not. Are you there still? 
<laughs> yeah, no, I was sliding through some messages from Sam, the producer, since we've amassed quite a list here so far. So, <laughs> and here's the thing is I know we have some non healthcare professionals while this episode is specific to healthcare professionals, everyone feels this. So hopefully maybe you can have a better understanding of what your healthcare professional is going through. If you're one of the non healthcare people listening, I guess, I mean, I don't want to drown us in statistics, but I, I think it's important for us to list some of them. So the biggest ones, and honestly, I'm not going to, there was a bunch of statistics, but I think the most important ones for the context of this conversation is a 2015 study that was done between the Mayo Clinic and the AMA. It said that 50% of all healthcare providers, that includes physicians, nurse practitioners, and physicians assistants, 50% feel burnt out. Now, that's a term used by the AMA, and I know Dog thinks we need to switch to the term moral injury, and I'm going to say that I understand his point, and I agree with him, but I think the term burnout most people recognize, so I'll probably be using them interchangeably throughout this conversation. But that's the term used in the study, and I think most people can't comprehend that. I mean, I know I just talked about IVAS, but that was just me bullshitting with some physicians. People actually sat down, had these studies, and half of every medical provider said, no, like I'm burnt out. Like this is too much. And I would think, honestly, that's probably a higher statistic. Either they were being, I don't want to say brave. They were they were putting on a front of, no, I'm not burnt out. Or they didn't realize that they were burnt out. Because I think this is something that can sneak up on you and you don't realize that it's bothering you until that one final patient or that one final incident and you just snap and when it's like oh wow i didn't didn't see that coming so i I wonder if there if that truly is not a significantly higher statistic well first of all i would assume there is a higher statistic but at the same time, I'm sure these were confidential, so we'll, we'll, we'll have to say it's as accurate as we have right now. Right. I will say that they know for sure that this is up 9% from the last study, which I think was 2013. So in only two years, it went up 9%. So what do people think is going to happen the next time we do all this? Like It's, it's one of those things. We're all in a group text, uh, Sam, Ben, and I, and Sam when we were talking about show ideas through the week, Sam sent out an image of like 10 things that make you that to know you're burnout and literally nine of them. I was like, Oh my God. Like I was just reading it. And I was like, I, I think I even text the message was, has somebody been following me around writing down what I've been doing? Yeah. That is what you did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I know I'm still a newer NP, but I've been in healthcare for a while now. I've been working, you know, as an adult for quite a while. This isn't a unique phenomenon to just us, but in the context of this, I think it does affect our profession much higher than most. I would say I don't have a study that says that. I just, having worked in other fields, I'll tell you the rate of moral injury slash burnout in healthcare is sky high. So I think another telling statistic is they also did burnout rates for regular or registered nurses, regular, sorry, girls, sorry, boys, for registered nurses that work in staff positions, basically. And it 
was a pretty wide margin. I'm going to say it's probably on the higher side. It said between 10 and 70% of registered nurses. I was like, that's way too wide a margin for accuracy between rates. One and 99%. <laughs> exactly. Someone between nobody and everybody feels terrible <laughs> about this. Like, wow, thanks, guys. That really was helpful. Blech. But again, not to make Sam's head too big, you know, he just did graduate valedictorian from that university of podcast producers. But basically, I think we talked about nurses eating their young as a sign of burnout. And that's something that especially ER, and I think we all three were ER nurses, there's that jungle mentality in the ER. And so we'll use that as a prime example, though I do know it happens up on the med surge floors. I do know it happens in ICUs. But that mentality of it used to be like, oh, the grumpy old nurse, like she's such a badass. But realistically, when you look at it, she's probably suffering severely from depression slash, you know, moral injury. And they perpetuate the cycle of you weren't here when I was struggling. And so in order for you to feel the pain I've been feeling, I'm going to yell at you and make you feel like crap so that I can try and feel a little better. We dismiss it as eating our young air quotes. And I completely think it's horse shit that we allow it. I, I, I'm I'm, I'm not opposed to being harsh on rookies. I'm not opposed to tough love and making someone learn hell. Even like when I was a rookie police officer, hazing was a perfectly acceptable, you know, part of growing up. I think the difference is, that even when I was treated like crap, when I was hazed or when I had people being rough on me when I first started, I knew they were doing it to get me in line. Like it wasn't without purpose. They were being tough to help fashion and form me into a nurse that I could be versus these nurses that are just being complete assholes for the purpose of being an asshole. And Sam brought up an interesting point in pre-production when you stepped away for a second. Some of, yeah, some of it is being an asshole, and some of and some nurses are, that are have been in it too long, or healthcare providers, or whoever the hell it is, have been in it too long, so they are they have that jaded personality. But the scenario that Sam mentioned was, if you think about it, like if your kid runs into traffic or runs into the road and you grab them and you yell at them, it's because they need to understand there's imminent danger there. And it's not that you're eating your young, you're trying to make them understand the seriousness of that situation. And I certainly think in healthcare, particularly nursing, particularly ER, you have those situations where it is literally life or death. So there may be some of that protectiveness of I'm just trying to protect you yes I'm going to yell at you at this particular moment because you need to understand that you messed up but it's not but I'm not wanting you to go and sit in the fetal position and cry over it well again I completely agree with that and I actually support that mentality of hey we have a tough job you have to be able to do your job think fast all that stuff at the same time, though, they worked their first code pink pediatric trauma slash arrest slash death. And some of these older nurses will walk around like, well, I've seen worse. Like, whoa, that's that's not helpful. 
Okay, that's not teaching a lesson. Snapping at somebody for, you know, not having stuff ready or when you say, hey, I need this and they get the wrong stuff or they just take their time when it's a critical issue. That's one thing to give them a little bark and bite and let them know. But when someone is just crushed, they lost their first patient, they got in trouble for something they didn't even know was going on. To just say, hey, you're going to make it through this. That's the right way to do it. I mean, and you don't have to like hold their hand and sing Kumbaya. I'm just saying. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm serious. I'm not trying to say we need to coddle everybody all the time, but certainly these people that are like, well, I was short last night, so you need to suck it up. So if everything sucks today, it's your fault. Like, whoa, how is it that nurse's fault? And well, and to expound on, sorry, no, no, to expound on Sam's scenario. If my child runs into the road and I grab them and I yell at them at that particular moment, there's still going to be a teaching moment later on, at least you hope there is with parenting. Hey, do you understand why I yelled at you at that particular moment? And maybe that's what needs to be done with some of this. Not necessarily, hey, you need to step it up or whatever the the case may be. And then there's a debriefing or whatever, however, you know, the, the five dollar words that it's coined for right now. Afterwards, to say, hey, do you understand why I yelled at that particular moment? Do you understand the the gravity of that situation that we were currently in? You know, you were fixing to give this to this patient that could have potentially went bad. I I get what you're saying. And the point, though, is I think that burnout has crept in and it's become less of a teaching moment and more of a punishment. Yeah. And there's this public berating that these older nurses think – oh, well, it happened to me and nobody's going to help me out. So they need to learn no one's going to help them out. That's truly not helping anyone. And I think that's extending upwards in that feeling is extending upwards to me anywhere as as a provider where it feels like not that anyone's yelling at me. Oh, my God, I've had more people willing to help me than ever before as a provider. But at the same time, I think it's the patient's. Like when I'm dealing with the patients and again, going back to the antibiotic is, well, I know that I get patient satisfaction scores. And if you don't give me what I want, there's that feeling or, Hey Tom, you're 25 charts behind and we're going to start docking your pay if you don't get all these charts. And I'm like, geez, like, I'm sorry. I was busy. It's not really my fault that this happened, but I'm still put into that crux position where we are trying to deal with that and the beating happening once is a bruise it's the fact that the beating is happening every day that that's what is eventually is going to break us down well and i think a good segue although not a great segue into from that is this burnout and moral injury and compassion fatigue or like i said whatever you want to call it does impact a lot of people. The other thing that I found alarming, Tom, was suicide rates of healthcare workers. Estimated currently, as of like 2018, there are between three to 400 physicians die from suicide each year. And based on data, they believe that nursing is about the same rate, if not a little bit higher. So clearly this affects people to the level that they feel that that is the only way out. 
And it's sad that the people that should be in the position to achieve care with the greatest efficiency, you know, like the greatest speed, were surrounded by other healthcare providers. They even feel like they are unable for whatever reason. And I'm sure there is a plethora of reasons why people feel that that's their only choice. And sometimes it, it maybe it's a mixture. It's a mixture of the moral injury and a pre-existing depression. There's going to be a lot of variation to this. Right. And I think sometimes it's that overwhelming. It's it's the tidal wave. You know, like I not only have I been hit with the tidal wave, I've been dragged out into the ocean. So you're exhausted from work. You're exhausted from home. You're 30 charts down. Oh, by the way, you have all these other people coming in and you realize it's never going to stop or it's not going to stop to a point that you may be able to fix it. And instead of being able to help these providers out, some for some of them, it may ultimately feel like they're being left out on the island. Or then it's, oh, hey, if we can just get you to see one more patient an hour, yeah, that would be great. Or if we can get this done. Or, oh, hey, we need to do this peer-to-peer so that we can try to get this medication that you need for your patient paid for. Or a million other little things that add up over time. You know, I used to say that, and I still say, I mean, I, I say I used to say, I, I still say that charting and family practice is a treadmill. You are never going to catch up because you never catch up on a treadmill. You're just trying not to fall off the end. Yeah. And, and and that's sad, but it's true. I mean, it really, really is. And honestly, like a, like a show note is you can't show weakness. And I think, and that's from Sam, that's a show note. And I, I think that applies in every level. Again, I work with great people, but as a nurse practitioner, when I'm talking to a bunch of physicians, and maybe this is just my point of view, I'm not saying everybody has to have this, I feel like, oh, if I act like I'm drowning in front of these physicians, they're going to think less of me because I'm already a nurse practitioner. I feel like I have to step up an extra amount already because I'm an advanced practice provider versus a physician. Like if I had MD or DO behind my name and I am not saying this is true, I'm saying perhaps I wouldn't feel like, oh, I have to work that much harder. You know, I know they have their own constraints. I'm just saying from a performance point of view, I feel like that. Maybe that's a pressure I'm putting on myself. Certainly no one has said that to me. But I also know when you're in the ER, if you act like something's wrong, that fear can spread. And sometimes... Even if something bothered me, I acted like, no, it's not that big a deal. And then you find your own little corner of the room to go cry in. And it's sad that we feel like that's unnecessary. And sometimes it is necessary. I'm not going to say it's always necessary. And I'm not going to say it's to the point of depression or burnout. But like the ER never stops. And I know that car wreck sucked and that teenager dying sucked. But the ER doesn't stop. And if you break down and cry and you're the supervisor or the charge nurse and everybody sees you breaking down, you start to feel like, well, then everybody else is going to break down and I can't do that. And so that's your own burden. And it sucks that we're in that position or that we're expected to shorter those burdens. But to an extent, I don't think, yes, it doesn't stop. I agree. I mean, obviously ER is never going to stop, but we're also not robots. When I was teaching nursing students, that's what I would go in and I would, I would tell them is, you know, we're not, 20 years ago, they maybe they were trying to say, you know, you, if you cry, you're weak. And you're a nurse, you don't cry. You cry on your own time, you don't cry here. You don't, you know. 
have I shed tears in front of patients, families that lost their patients? Yes, I have. Now there's a difference between shedding a tear and crying and just yeah, bawling losing it. Yeah. Inconsolable. That is not acceptable. But it is okay to cry. It is okay to have feelings and have emotions. You're not a robot. No, and I guess I don't want to be misunderstood. I am not saying that you can't do that. Well, like Sam just put up the show note. Yeah, there's degrees to this. I think for me, when I was in a position as a supervisor, no matter how hard something hit me, I had to act like, okay, life is going to move forwards and we have to keep doing that. And so that was the degree of that burden I put on myself so that my troops didn't see me or the charge nurse losing our shit. Cause I felt like if we started to lose it, then they would start to lose it. And then you lose cohesion at that point. I'm just saying, I don't want the staff nurses to ever feel like it's one thing to do that for a minute to compose yourself. It's another thing to feel like you can never cry. And I agree with you. Like anybody that's saying that it's bullshit. We are not robots. We are not machines. We do need lunch breaks. You know, we need bathroom breaks. <laughs> and that's one of the things I never understood. I guess in some ways I was okay in my early years because when people are like, I just haven't had time to pee. And I've literally walked over to nurses and taken the Motrin or Tylenol out of their hand and said, go pee. Like, I, I guarantee you the extra six minutes it takes them to get this 800 milligrams of Motrin, they're not going to die. Right. I promise you. Okay. So take the time, go piss. If only he'd had that Motrin for him. Yes, if only, if only that knee pain at 3 a.m. that he's had for a year and a half. Oh, God. You know, I mean, like, but, and that's what I'm saying. I think that's ultimately what I guess I'm trying to say. As a provider, as a staff nurse, it was, we feel the pressure to put these burdens on ourselves as well as it's being placed by other people. Like I said, no one has ever come to me as a provider and said, Tom, you have piss poor numbers or you need to do this or you need to do that. It's the fact that I know it exists yeah. and I don't want to have that conversation. And so when I think of press Ganey or I think of something, something like that, it's pressure. I've just, I've already put it on myself. No one has even had to say it to me. That's how efficient the bullshit patient feedback loop system has already infected us as a, profession is that no one has even said it to me and yet I am already feeling its effects. So I do want you had referenced it earlier, the picture that Sam sent. Um, I got it pulled up. I was going to read through those real quick. It's eight warning signs that you're mentally and emotionally exhausted. Thank you. Yeah. Let's bring that up. All right. Number one, you're easily irritated. No, that's Holy tough. crap. <laughs> Number two. Wow. Number two. End of story. <laughs> uh, number two, you feel completely unmotivated even to do things you normally enjoy. Number three, even you're experiencing anxiety or panic attacks. Number four, you're having trouble sleeping. Either it takes you hours to fall asleep or you sleep. Your sleep is broken throughout the night. Five, you have almost no patience and you find yourself being short with colleagues and family. Number six, you're experiencing indigestion. You have a low-grade stomach ache all the time or feel that there's butterflies in your stomach. Obviously, this isn't written just for nursing or healthcare professionals. Number seven, you start crying unexpectedly. Number eight, you feel detached from reality. You go through your days without really emotionally responding or connecting to anything. You feel empty. And like I said, 
that entire list except for one thing. I never, or I don't recognize that I had ever seen a list and specifically said, holy crap, that's me. That's me on a piece of paper. That's what I'm going through. That's how I feel. And it specifically is basically saying, like, it's a big red flag that's saying, hey, dummy, (laughs) you are having an issue and you probably need to address this now sooner than later. But, you know, that I guess that's a whole nother story. Well, I think some of that is recognizing, because like I said earlier, it can sneak up on you and you not realize it. And you then, you know, I think, and you can even have short periods of this, I think, because oh, yeah. the beginning of the year, I, I was an asshole. My, my MA will tell you that. I was an asshole to the front desk. I was an asshole to other <laughs> providers in the clinic. I was an asshole to other nurses in the clinic. I was just, it was that detachment and it was just, I didn't want to be there and I just, now I never showed that to patients. I was in healthcare. You learn, particularly ER. I think you learn to compartmentalize, and and if you are in the medical field, you'll know what exactly I'm talking about. For those who are not, it compartmentalizing is basically you take that whatever it is that is bothering you, whether it's the three-year-old pediatric code that didn't make it, or it's the 75th time that that patient has come into the ER for an ankle pain and you put that in a little box and it stores that in your brain and then you just go on with your day now that all sounds well and good like hey that sounds great until you're driving to work one day at you know eight o'clock in the morning and one of those boxes decides to just come flying open (laughs) (laughs) and then it's like i mean i went to work or headed to work and particularly the three-year-old pediatric code, that little box just opened up and I'm just driving and I just start crying. And it's like, where, what the hell's wrong with me? I mean, and it's, it's a weird feeling to, you put these feelings away because you have, because you feel like you have to, because you have to be able to go on with your day. And then because your brain is your brain, sometimes it decides to, you know what? We're going to address that now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I've gotten a lot better at that actually now. I think maybe I was an outlier in ER. I'm not saying, especially with children, I would, I could really, really fake it. But there were plenty of people, especially if they were mean to other staff already. I was the guy they called in and was like, oh, Tom will deal with him. (laughs) Tom's not going to have a problem today with this one. And I was not very good at hiding my emotions as well as others in the ER setting. I don't know why I just wasn't, but in the office setting as a provider, I feel like there's that, the tone issue. Like I need to set a better tone and I do try, especially with children because it's not their fault. It's not their fault. Their ear hurts and you're having a bad day. Nobody cares. Like, you know, that part you need to suck it up. And I, I agree with that, but yeah, those boxes that we don't realize we're creating, we're doing it. But like you said, it's insidious. It's, I, I push down the pediatric code. Okay. Well, you, you do it because you have to. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, but I'm saying it's it becomes that slow death on the inside. You know, you push down that because you have to. And then, unfortunately, you yell at your wife when you get home, and then you feel like a jerk because you yelled at your wife. So then now you feel bad twice because you still feel bad about the first incident. And now you feel right. bad because you yelled at your wife for something that she doesn't even know what you're yelling about. <laughs> Or you snap at your kid because he's being loud and playing with a toy, a toy that you told him to go play with 
and now you're yelling at him for playing with said toy. Yeah, yeah for playing with said toy. Like, it, and it becomes this vicious circle of I am mad and I don't know why. Now we put a word to it. I mean, that's in a nutshell is what we're talking about. I mean, it's that burnout or moral injury of just beat down by a system. And I know this show sounds a lot of doom and gloom (laughs) and that's not really the intention. It's hard to be funny when you're talking about burnout and, you know, moral injury. It's like, no, you really, there's not like a joke here. I love my job. I truly, truly love my job. I love taking care of patients. Do I love taking care of every patient? Not necessarily. But I used to say in the ER, and I even say it now, for all, you know, you, all these bad cases build up. Bad case, bad case, bad case. And then you do something and you save someone's life. And you realize, had you not been there, that person would have been dead. And then their family goes up to you and says two words. Thank you. And a lot of those bad cases just kind of melt away temporarily. Temporarily. I think you're right. You know, I've been through that. And I, I know Sam's been through that. I, My thing is, is that for every thank you, I feel. And, and again, here's the thing, is that this is the problem with uh, moral injury slash burnout is it may not even be true. You lose the ability to judge perspective on what's going on sometimes with this, with the emotional side, not with, you know, symptoms or anything like that, but the emotional. And so now it's become for every thank you. I feel like I'm hearing a hundred. You didn't do your job or you didn't give me something. And it feels overwhelmingly like that tidal wave is drowning out the thank yous. And, and I appreciate the thank yous. And when a little girl like, What's to give me a hug or something? You know, like, like, wow, like, I feel that uplift. I'm not saying like I'm dead on the inside, but at the same time, I quickly forget about the little girl that colored me a picture for making her head feel better because all I can think about are the next 32 people that told me I was a quack because I wouldn't give them pain meds or give them antibiotics. And yeah. trying to juggle that is the problem. I, I'm not saying I even want to have a different job. I still enjoy my, my profession, but I would be completely 100% lying to everyone, including myself. If I didn't say, I know there's something wrong and I know there's something we need to do about it. And I think that's why we did this episode is it, yeah. it, it it's not our usual funny let's go or yeah, just take two weeks off and that will reset your whole emotional mood. There is no easy answer to this. So that's, I think, maybe why we wanted to start the conversation or have this conversation. Yeah, because it's not, you know, th- this is not a bacterial infection that I know an antibody is going to work for you. This is not, oh, here's hypertension. Oh, well, here's an ACE inhibitor. I, uh, there's not a good answer for this. You know, you, you can Google online burnout or burnout in healthcare. And it's going to give you a lot of self-care tips, and those are great. Yes, you absolutely need to take care of yourself. Should you take a vacation? Yes, but then the problem goes with, well, particularly if you're in a, as a healthcare provider, if I take a week vacation, like I have a week vacation coming up in two months. I know when I get back, I'm going to have a stack of paperwork of stuff that has just yeah, sit for that week. So, yes, it's nice to get away. But then it's like you need a vacation from vacation because when you come back, it's a, it's like a really long Sunday. 
Like, yeah, yeah, I'm not at work, but I know that bullshit is waiting for me the minute I come back around. And that's, I guess to me, I guess that's an, that's a smash symbol of what we're talking about is that I have a vacation, hopefully planned for December, December it's April and I'm already feeling what you just said. And I don't even have a dedicated patient load, but I know I'm going to leave and I'm going to come back. And what am I going to have to do about this or that, etc.? And it's eight months away to me. That's the problem. Like I should be able to just say, Hey, and, and that's what I'm trying to say is I'm not even in your position. I don't have it nearly as bad as you or other, you know, people that have dedicated primary care practice. Um, I do like this whole big mix. It's this whole fact that, that's where I feel like, oh, man, I'm going to leave. But when I come back, what, what's going to be sitting there? Well, and the other thing, particularly from a primary care standpoint, for me, and I I say for me, I don't know how other people feel. I don't like other people taking care of my patients. I know that sounds weird, but it's like it feels like they're my children. And so when I'm gone on vacation with my real family, then I feel like I'm letting down everybody else. And, you know, I'm letting down all my patients I'm letting, because they have to see someone else or someone else going to see that patient. And then they're going to question everything that I did up to that point with this patient. And some of that I know is just the, the shit that goes in my brain, but it's definitely there. Well, as one of the guys that help see patients when primary people are on vacation or something like that, I get it because I'm that guy. Now, I'm not questioning everything you're doing. The funny part is for me, I question everything I'm doing. Like when I see that, they're like, oh, I have them on lisinopril. And I'm like, wow, I think I would have done Losartan. Like, oh, crap. Am I the one wrong? <laughs> like, what? Like, oh, man, that's not what I would have done. And so then I start questioning myself. But I, I think the point is, is how sad is it that that's how we're looking at it? Is, wow, I, I can't even enjoy my vacation because when I come back, I'm going to have even more stuff to do. And I, I think that should, that's probably the best summary of of the feeling is it's a permanent Sunday or um, I think there was a, a show note from Sam earlier. It's like drowning that you never die. You can never get air, but you're never going to die. And it just is this feeling of constant underwater. You know, there, there are true um, outcomes of this, even if it's not. I just feel angry. It leads to increases in alcohol use. It, it leads to excessive stress fatigue. It can have an effect and cause blood pressure. It can contribute to diabetes. Sam swears he gave him shingles. Yeah, it probably did. Yeah, stress. I, for, uh, for him, I think if someone farted on his pillow and then he just <laughs> got it. Oh, that's pink eye. That's how he got pink eye. Yeah, pink eye. That's yeah, yeah. Oh, I knew that woke him up. <laughs> but. I don't want us to be totally a complete bummer. And I know the show is getting ready to wrap up. So, you know, if you're experiencing these feelings, you need to, I think first recognize it. And I think we need to try to do things we can to try to make ourselves feel better, whether that's communicating with other people, you know, other people in your profession or with your family. It may, maybe it's getting a massage. Maybe it's trying to talk to administration saying, Hey, you know what? I'm feeling, uh, I'm, I'm feeling this. I need to, let the foot off the gas just a little bit. Maybe I need to take four extra hours of admin time a week for a couple of weeks just to kind of reset the batteries a little bit. Yeah, beyond that, right now, and if you watch the Z Dog video, 
he talks about it more in depth, but I mean, right now there's not a great answer other than we know the healthcare system's broken and we need to fix that. And hopefully it will be fixed over time, but it's not an immediate fix that we can just snap our fingers and life's going to be better. And we're going to be in healthcare 3.0. Yeah. There's no magic SSRI we can take. There's no, <laughs> there's no magic set number of days. You know, I, I think that's what some people think. Oh, we'll just do a study. And we know that if people take nine days off that they'll come back and they'll feel better, but they won't. And that's not how this works. Like Z-Dog said, like Ben just said, like healthcare is broken. All right. It is. And I mean, fundamentally, like you have a great set of providers that want to do the best by their patients, that they want to give that best care and they're being hindered. And that's what's causing that moral injury. Like they are not able to provide the care that you want and that they want to deliver. And it's being impeded by a system that does not care about either either party. It does not care about the patient other than money, and it does not care about the provider other than money. So there's a lot of work to be done. And I don't know what to say other than I have dealt with colleagues' suicide up close and personal. And yeah, I will tell you, we work in a field of caring people. We don't always seem it. I know I don't always seem it. I know I seem like a grump. The grumpiest asshole of them all. Like, I literally think Snow White grumpy could have been fucking drawn uh, about me, except that it's you know like 100 years before I was born. That's not the point. The point is, is that there's not a person that I work with that works in my health system. That's a patient that I wouldn't that I wouldn't drop everything to help them if they were at that point. If they said, Tom, I'm in crisis, I guarantee you I'm pulling out the stops and we're going to do something to help this person. I just wish it didn't come to that point. I wish that we felt there was a better way for us to get the help both mentally and like you said, maybe it's just, hey, boss, I need I need my schedule blocked every Wednesday from you know noon to four. Like we, we got to do something. I need not to be banging my head against the wall every day. Right. And maybe that's what it needs to be. I know for staff nurses, I know a lot of states and I know, God, watching the CEOs and all this stuff buck the system where they're trying to get in place standardized patient ratios, which are absolutely a good thing. I know they're going to try to tell you all the stuff for all the non-healthcare uh, people out there listening. They're going to try and tell you all these bad things that are going to come about from it. And the only bad thing that's going to come about from it is it's going to cost them money. So... Yeah. Do not let them tell you that, oh, there's studies that show that this won't affect people. Bullshit. Bullshit. I mean, here, here you go. Here's the only thing you need to know. Let's say you have to juggle. All right. Would you rather juggle two balls or 16 fucking on fire knives? Okay. You go ahead and pick which one. Wow. Okay. That okay. But that's the point is they're going to try to tell you, oh, it doesn't matter between two balls or 16 flaming knives covered in poison no they're, they're going to tell you that it doesn't matter but it does because that's how it feels when you have patients lives in your hands and you are understaffed like there is way more going on than that staff should be required and i think that's just one level of burnout is they are placing and I, i'm not ignorant i know that money is a part of the healthcare system and what's going on but they're clearly putting those needs yeah i am tom and out I, i'm just saying like it's pretty clear 
and it's got to come to an end at some point. So before uh, before I get Forrest Whitaker, I yep, there I'm hulking. That's I got the little <laughs> Hulk symbol. <laughs> All right. So I think to put a bow on this episode, if you're in the healthcare field and you're listening to this and you are having these feelings, talk to someone, try to take care of yourself as a whole. Hopefully we can change the system over time, but it's not something that we can change immediately. So you've got to take care of yourself so that you're still around when we fix the healthcare system. If you are one of our non-healthcare listener, non-healthcare listeners. Yeah. That didn't sound right in my head the first time. Um, I was like, wait a minute. That didn't sound right. And you have interaction with somebody in healthcare. Tell them thank you. As I stated earlier, being nice to people can sometimes have an impact on what kind of day they're going to have. Can you be an asshole because you feel like crap? Yes, you can. Is it going to potentially impact everybody else? Yes. I know you feel like crap. I want you to feel better. I'm trying to do that. So I'm just saying, a little nicety, maybe a thank you. Hey, I appreciate you. Could potentially go a long way. For me... It's not even about the thank you. The thank you would be nice. For me, it's the don't assume that because I didn't do what you wanted that I did the wrong thing. I, if, if you want to say thank you, I appreciate it. Trust me, I cherish those. I would much rather you just not give me a dirty look the entire time I'm talking because I said you didn't need an antibiotic. That, that's all I'm really asking for is just don't give me the stink eye. Because your sister's kid had the same symptoms, but they got, you know, amoxicillin. So why aren't you getting amoxicillin? Like, look, that's just not how this works. So just throwing that out there. I, I appreciate the thank yous. Trust me, I remember them. But I, at this point, I would just take not being grilled for something you didn't like. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Just Some Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube. Our new podcasting hosting service will directly upload the audio of our podcast to YouTube for us. So you can find us there as well. You can find us on the web, www.justsomepodcast.com. Or you can email us and tell us your stories of burnout or compassion fatigue or moral injury. Admin at justsomepodcast.com. I mean, I would like to hear them. I don't know if Tom will. Tom, do you want to listen to these stories of people? Oh, yeah, no. I always want to listen about people that have a worse day than me makes me feel better good and don't forget you can also find us on helium radio network we are on helium radio after dark that is our channel too we are on there thursdays 9 p.m eastern 8 central i was gonna say i think they play us randomly throughout the week as well but that's our dedicated time slot right right yeah you never know you could turn on helium radio we could be on right now i don't know but we will definitely be on thursdays 9 p.m eastern 8 central um, do I have anything else to say? No, I think it's probably safest at this point just to shut my mouth. All right. Well, on that note, I don't know what we're going to do for next week's episode. I know what we're doing for the week after that, though, don't I, Tom? We're going to record, like, not immediately post-procedure, but, like, the day after, right? Like, I'm still going to be putting frozen vegetables on my crotch, right? Well, we'll see. Oh, yeah. I tried to get Tom to record the vasectomy himself, um, and he refused. I, I thought it would make interesting radio. Hold on. <laughs> let's let's clear this on. up. I said I would absolutely be clear with that. I am fairly certain, though, the urologist is not. <laughs> so I can't live stream something uh, that they're going to be like, no go. Never mind the fact I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be in a mood to be holding a camera 
or a phone in my hand at that point. Whoa, anyways. whoa, whoa camera. Whoa. Hey, we, we do not need the video. That, of, that's the interesting part, oh. right? Like that's the educational side. <laughs> so. Colonel Sugar Lemons and <laughs> Trevet. Trevet. Hey. So, yes, I don't know what we're going to do next week, but the week after that, we're going to be talking vasectomies. Oh, I can't. And we're going to talk to Tom. Uh, I believe we're going to try to talk to him pre-procedure, like right before he goes in. Yeah, we'll probably and do like like a, a short pre-record and then a post-record. And we'll just kind of splice that into the episodes about the time. So, we know how much you guys, you know, our highest rated episodes are episodes where Tom's in pain. So, <laughs> we have winning wow. here. We're, we're yeah, gonna no. we're gonna break the internet that day. <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, All right. Hey, on that note, this is Ben. Hope everybody has a great week. This is Tom. Everybody, stay safe out there. <laughs>